We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Welcome to the Transformative Principle Podcast. Today on the show, our guest is Mr. Darren Peppard. Welcome, Darren. Yeah, thank you, Eric. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks for being here. I think the last time I saw you, you were presenting in San Antonio at the National School Board Association. That was a while ago. Oh, yeah, that's so, right. Yeah, I forgot that you were there for that one. Yeah, there, that was like 2019, I think. Yeah, yeah there weren't a lot of Wyoming Wyoming Knights there. So when I saw you, I think you were with Jostens, yeah. who you're now in the Jostens Hall of Fame, right? Recently inducted. Yeah. 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 I was, I was inducted in actually in 2019. And so I think it was 2018, maybe when we were there for, I want to say that was National School Boards Conference, maybe. Yep. And yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I was working with, with Mike Wolf from Jostens and, yeah, we had an opportunity to just talk about school culture and climate, you know, something that I'm super passionate about. And anytime you have an opportunity to go spend some time in San Antonio, man, you don't pass that up either. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So Darren, Darren's got quite the background in education. You've been a principal, a teacher, superintendent, author, now a publisher, a podcaster. Your show is called Lean Into Leadership, right? Your podcast. Leaning into leadership. Leaning into leadership. Yep. And so when I was thinking about who'd be a good guest to talk about some school culture you're the man you know i remember when i got your book <laughs> road to awesome and i've got to hear you speak before you're really a guy who's passionate about it knows a lot about it and really now stepping out of the superintendency and coming up with all this great leadership you know you've got the books you've got your speaking you're doing you're doing um, i believe like some coaching right working with some districts. So really excited to have you on the show today. And you know what I wanted to start with, Darren, how did you start the road to awesome? 
Where does it start? Yeah. So that's, that's such a great question, Eric. And, you know, it, it goes back to really when I transitioned from being a classroom teacher to being a school administrator. And when I was a classroom teacher, you know, I taught at the middle school level. I taught at the high school level. I was a, a head basketball coach, head tennis coach. And I just knew that the next step for me was to step into administration. And I wanted to come back to my home state of Wyoming and had the opportunity to do that and stepped into this first assistant principal role. And I was in charge of discipline and attendance. And it's kind of that usual gateway job to get into the school leadership is you got to do the discipline and attendance stuff. And in that first year, we had a really toxic culture in our school. And I don't think anybody realized it. I really don't. But there was this thing in my mind and I'm sure you've gone through it too, and other other leaders have as well. You know, you go through your master's program and, and they talk so much about being a servant leader. You know what I mean? You learn about all these different leadership strategies, but being a servant leader. And so I talked to my teachers. I'm like, how can I serve you best? How can I support you? And honestly, I heard a lot of things like, just make them sit down and shut up. Mm-hmm. You know, just let them not forget that I have the big desk and they have the little desk. And I mean, that's just who we were. And I fell in like lockstep. I was like, yeah, here we go. And it was all about catching them doing it wrong. And partway through the first year, we're in this staff meeting and and it's a staff meeting. I think a lot of people have sat in and sadly will still sit in. And we were trying to solve what we thought were like the two most important things in education. I mean, the, the truth was we had really poor graduation rate, really poor attendance rates. And we thought the answer was to figure out what to do with hats and cell phones. That's what we were spending our time on. And it's like, come on. I mean, in reflection, that's how I feel. But at the time, I was in charge of it. So I got to facilitate the meeting. And we're somewhere between, yay, buy the calculator things and we'll put them on the wall. And you know, one of my teachers who's like, if you just let me smash one of those darn things with a hammer, they're going to get the message. And fortunately, a very, very sane young lady raised her hand and said, Darren, why does it always have to be about what they do wrong? Why can't it be about what they do right? And there's an incredible poem by Robert Frost, The Road Not Taken. And the final stanza is, two roads diverged in a wood, and I took the road less traveled by. And for me, that was a moment where two roads diverged right there. And in in reflection, I could have stayed on that road that was the easy path. Let's just keep catching them doing it wrong. Let's just keep hammering them. I mean, gosh, Eric, we had a phrase for it. As a leadership team, our phrase was, I'm going to ding that kid or I'm going to ding that teacher. I mean, we we didn't just look for kids doing things wrong. We were looking for adults doing things wrong. Or I could take the other road. And that's the road that certainly was less traveled. And that's let's focus on the things they do right. You know, and that, that didn't mean that there weren't so consequences for fighting or drinking or those kinds of things. But we were shining the spotlight on that stuff. I mean, like we had a fight like every week at least in our school. And it was always right in front of the main office. Cause that's where everybody was watching. You know, it was like, I mean, the we had a real culture problem, man. Oh, it was like Royal rumble, man. Yeah. yeah. And when we started focusing more on the positives, that's where the road to awesome really started for me. And that was, it started with, we got to change our culture. If you've been listening to transformative principle for any amount of time, you know that I have a love hate relationship with ed tech. We have the ability to personalize learning for every single one of our students, and yet so many of our ed tech tools fall short. We need our technology to do more for us. That's why it's so important for me to know that IXL provides true personalized learning across the entire pre-K-12 curriculum. 
and that it's proven to benefit all student populations, including English language learners and students in special ed programs. As a principal, I've used this in my school. As a parent, I've had my children use it as well. And let me tell you, this is a tool that definitely helps students learn and practice better. IXL is research proven to accelerate achievement. Studies across 45 states show that IXL schools outperform non-IXL schools on state assessments, and independent research from Johns Hopkins University verifies that IXL meets ESSA Tier 1 standards. With those results combined with IXL's teacher-friendly reputation, what more could you ask for? Now you also know that I don't care so much about test scores, but I know that they are legislatively convenient and something that we have to deal with and manage on a day-to-day basis. If you can implement something that is easy and effective, why wouldn't you do it? If you have a goal to increase achievement for all students, make sure to find out what IXL can do for you. Visit IXL.com B for a demo. That's IXL.com B E. And I know when you jump in and you're new, especially that, you know, be a good soldier role, you start out with a lot of times in administration, discipline, attendance. I don't remember, and we all still deal with that a little bit. It's not fun. I mean, I never wake up and say, I hope I can have this many kids in the office in trouble or catch this many kids (laughs) doing that. So how did we get to that point? Like, do some people find joy in that? I didn't find joy in that. I I don't I think sometimes we just get caught up in believing that's what the job is. And I think as adults, sometimes, especially when we work with kids, like we do in education, we get this unintentional power trip, like, well, we're the grownups. We know what's right for them. We know what's best for them. And I think that's kind of where we were. And for whatever reason, the go-to strategy tends to be punishment will gain compliance. Mm -hmm. And I mean- man, we're not about compliance. We shouldn't be. I mean, I'm not saying we shouldn't like comply with all rules and regs and I'm not, I'm not arguing that. What I'm saying is if all we want to do is push for people being compliant, we're never going to get innovation. We're never going to get change. We're never going to get things that are positive and improve the lives of our kids. And that's what we're supposed to be about. But yeah, I, I think that's just a common, I don't know, default mode that so many of us fall into when we step into those leadership roles for the first time. And some of it, I think, is that we just get caught up in what are the tasks? What are the things that are on the job description? As opposed to, hey, I'm a leader now, and I need to focus on people first, as opposed to focusing on tasks. Yep. Yep. So you you had that moment in that staff meeting, and you took the road that wasn't, I'm going to catch this many hats and enforce the dress code harder, right? I'm going to go the other way. But what's the first step or first couple steps, if you think yeah. man, our school really has a culture problem like that, and we want to make a change, what do you start with? And you start with understanding where your circle of influence is, and you start to understand what it is that you can control and what you can't. When we start to focusing on the things that we can control and let go of the things we can't, all of a sudden, we start to realize where we can really have impact. And I think for me, one of the things that I discovered was I had very little control. Like the number one thing I have control over actually is myself. And if I want to change the culture in my school, I should probably start by changing how I lead it. So instead of in the morning, 
I actually was the guy like when I would get to school in the morning, you know, hey, I can have five kids before the day even starts, you know, I mean, whatever. I knew exactly where to go hide. I mean, yeah. seriously, I knew exactly where to go. You know, I would blow across the arena on the balcony at Tiger Arena and cut through the pool because I knew I could catch some kids smoking or I knew I could catch some kids doing this or doing that. When, I mean, the beginning of the day, we had our special needs adaptive PE class was in Tiger Arena. And one of the kids, Thomas, was always, you know, hey, Pepper, come play basketball with me. Nope, too busy, too busy, too busy. <laughs> I got to go catch these four kids. You know, we had 1,200 kids, but I'm going to focus on four. Yeah. Instead, I started saying, you know what? I can control how I show up every day. And one of the ways I can show up is to show up and be a positive role model. I can show up and be the person that's looking for the positives and reinforcing those positives. And maybe if I do that, other people will start to follow that lead. And it doesn't happen immediately, but instead of blazing across the arena, trying to catch the kids doing things wrong, I went to the front doors and you've been to the front doors of Rock Springs High. I mean, that's 95% of the people come in that front door, mm -hmm. kids and adults, all the buses drop off right there. I know they've done some changes since I left there, but like everybody came in the front door. So why shouldn't I be the person at the front door greeting our kids every single day, calling them by name, talking to them, building relationships with them? Why shouldn't I be the person at the front door greeting my staff as they're coming in the door and saying good morning to them and checking in with them and just simply being available for them? Why shouldn't I be the person at the front door when parents are dropping off kids, waving to parents and saying hi? And I just had to figure out how I could show up differently. And before I knew it, I had more people at the front door showing up with me, being out there saying hi to kids. And I had a handful. I mean, we'd have five, six, seven adults every morning showing up at the front door. Hey, yeah, let's just go greet kids. You know, we didn't assign duties there. Mm -hmm. let's, let's be clear. That was not an assigned duty station. It was just what we did. And, you know, it, it, that all by itself started to change our culture. The second thing we did so we turned it over to our kids. Man, we have this fear that our kids can't lead, that our kids can't make a difference. Or we give them trivial little things where they can maybe make an impact. But if we really give kids something meaningful, the odds are they're going to rise up to that challenge. And we created our, our own group, our, our renaissance group of student leaders to focus on the culture of our school. You know, I mean, half the things we thought were wrong, they were wrong, but we didn't know why. The kids told us, well, hey, the problem with everybody skipping third hour isn't what you think it is. Everybody's hungry. We were trying to solve a trash problem by standing at the front door. And as our high school kids, I mean, just think the logic through on this one, Eric. High school kids, 10 minutes till eight, walking in the front door with their coffee and their breakfast bar or whatever they were eating. And the strategy to eliminate trash in the building was making them throw it away as they walked in the door. So <laughs> high school kids don't get out of bed until like the very last second, all of them. And they come rolling in the door, trying to cram that breakfast in and we're making them throw it away. Hmm. Cause oh. effect. Everybody's, <laughs> they were everybody's third hungry. Because they were freaking starving. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, Hey, let's address the problem differently. And I could talk about the trash problem for an hour or two and how we solve that. But we just had to we just had to show up differently and i think that made such a difference for us yeah and what were some meaningful ways you got the student input and helped them be a part of that change you know the first thing that we did was we asked teachers 
Um, well, actually, we just ask adults. It wasn't just teachers. We, I mean, it was paras, coaches, you name it. Tell us some kids that are really leaders in our school and, and not just the kid who's a student council kid. I mean, that's a no brainer. Give me some kids who are just genuine leaders in our school, whether they have a leadership title or not. I don't care. We ended up with a group of about 150 kids. And we started doing some group work around, look, here are some things that we notice about our school. What are things you notice? Tell us why we're seeing this. Tell us what you think could happen here. We ended up taking a group of about 10 kids and I don't know, five or six adults to our first Jocelyn's Renaissance Conference that very first summer. We fly off to Florida and we're blown away with these schools that are doing incredible things with culture. But the most important thing was we turned it over to our kids. And so our kids started leading all these different things. I mean, we, we I talked about, you know, greeting kids at the door, but our kids started to create their own greeter programs like Marvelous Monday. They had bright yellow shirts and our kids were also at the front door just greeting everybody. Our kids were the ones that created High Five Friday, you know? So instead of just saying hi on Fridays, we were high-fiving pre-pandemic, of course. But then our kids also were the ones who led the work that we did with our academic pep rallies. You've been to a regular pep rally, you know, athletics gets it right in so many ways. Why don't we celebrate academics that way? So we started doing that too. And our kids would lead those rallies. We'd have these incredible games and all kinds of fun, but we were recognizing kids for the things we wanted them to do. Great attendance, not perfect. Perfect attendance, if that's all we strive for, it causes a kid to not stay home when they're sick, or it causes a kid to just lose interest once they've missed one period for a doctor's appointment or whatever. Excellent attendance. We were striving for 93%. That was our goal because our average daily attendance when we started this was like 84%. Hey, let's shoot for 93. Any kid above 93, let's recognize him. Everybody recognizes a 4.0. Everybody recognizes a 3.5. You put them in the newspaper, in the honor roll, at the, you know, on page like 17 in the newspaper, and the names are spelled wrong, and, and it's terrible recognition. Instead, let's blow it up right there in front of them, right there in this big rally. But let's not just stop there. Let's recognize, okay, the 3.0, but you know what? You want a really powerful one? Recognize the kid who raised his GPA by 0.5. I don't care what the GPA is. If he raised it by 0.5, holy cow, that's hard work. Oh. You know, you move a 1.7 to a 2.2, whoo, that's as hard as maintaining a 4.0. That's hard work. Recognize that kid, you know? And, and it was our students who kept coming up with these ideas. And man, before you knew it, I'm getting chills. I'm, I'm six years removed from being principal of this school. I, I'm, I'm still getting chills telling some of these stories. Then our kids were like, hey, we need our school to tell our story. And so that's when the mural project started to take over. And we were telling our stories through all these murals our kids were creating on our walls. And before you knew it, man, all of a sudden, we've got the highest grad rates in the history of the school, and we've got incredible attendance rates, and we've got all this national recognition. And gosh, the U.S. Department of Education came and saw us, and they're like, man, you're an island of excellence. This is amazing. And it all started because we chose to show up differently. Yeah, and got the right people involved. When you when you first brought that yeah. group of you know leaders in that you had this the adults in the building send you, were they excited about that? Or was it, was it one of those situations where they're like, <laughs> not really <laughs> ready no. or sure? No. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is such a great question. Nobody's ever asked me that. No, they weren't. They were like, what are we doing here? You know, why did you pull us out of our fourth hour class for this? And it, it took some really good conversations and, you know, there was a point in time 
where one of our kids, uh, a kid that was a junior at the time, just spoke up and said something that I think caught all of us, um, including his peers, by just total shock. And I, I won't quote it because I know I can't say it near as eloquently as he did that day. But in a nutshell, it's something that we've probably all heard from kids and don't realize it. But it was, you know what? If you really knew us, this is what you would know about us. And it got real, real fast. And all of a sudden, we don't respond well to this. And these are some of the reasons that this is happening. And these are some of the things that kids do to other kids. And this is some of the effects that teacher behaviors have on us. And man, we learned so much about ourselves. And a lot of it was hard to hear, but we needed to hear it. But at first, no, this wasn't, you know, yay, let's do this. This is going to be fun. It was, why are we here? And I think we were just going to get a bunch of lip service at first. I really, really think that's what it was. But once there was an opportunity for it to get real and we didn't push back or we didn't say, oh, no, you don't know what you're talking about it. I don't remember who said it in the room. One of the adults said, just tell us more. Just tell us more. And not all the kids continued to be a part of it, but there was a really strong core of kids who, look, this is what you need to know about us. And these are the things we're struggling with right now. And this is who we are when we're not at school. And if you only see us as who we are at school, you're missing a big part of the picture. And I mean, that's to me, my, my favorite mural in that entire school is right when you come in and you look to the right, it's the silhouette wall. And it's all these different silhouettes of who those kids were when they weren't at school. You know, it's a it's a hockey player. It's a, a musician. It's a, a dancer. It's, you know, all these different things, a skateboarder. And that's who our kids were when they weren't at school. And man, when our kids were able to really kind of put the armor away and just be honest with us. And we were honest with them and willing to give them the space to be honest. That was maybe one of the most important moments because all of a sudden it was, Hey, we're all on the same team here. It's not adults versus kids. We're all in this together. Yeah. And kids that know this is my school I come to every day, they want to make it better just like our staff does. And you do as the leader, but yeah, I've heard that here in my new school from staff a lot is, you know, we lack some student leadership. And my first thought was, and what I asked now when when I hear that is, well, what opportunities do we give them? You let them pick the, the prom theme, you know, we got to put them in. (laughs) That's not student leadership. Yeah. You got to put them in positions and give them opportunities. And like what you're saying, maybe just start with, ask them some questions and listen to their answers. Yeah, because before you know it, you end up with kids in really influential spaces. You know, as a superintendent, I had a student council that not like student council, but like the superintendent's council. And I had mm-hmm. kids that I met with. We had kids who were involved in policy committee. You know, when when I was high school principal, I mean, we had a student who was on the Chamber of Commerce board, a voting member on this ch- on the Chamber of Commerce board. Kids can lead. Holy cow, kids can lead. You just got to give them authentic chances. And yeah, prom theme is important, but come on, that's not student leadership. Yeah. I remember reading in your your book, Road to Awesome, a lot of the things you miss as a principal. I, th- I think you mentioned like that first day of school, 
as a principal you'll always miss. But the one you oh, didn't yeah. miss and you didn't elaborate on was school dances, wasn't it? High school dances. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't miss high school dances. Every every time I say that when I speak, because you know, I do, I, I identify myself really as a recovering high school principal. And I'll tell people, you know, hey, I'm yeah, I do. I miss the first day of school and I miss graduation and I miss really miss that time in the hallways, just sitting on benches with kids and having conversations and but yeah, I don't miss high school dances. I was away from my family all the time as a high school principal. And it was football games. It was basketball games. It was, you know, speech and debate tournaments. It was, I mean, you name it. And I, I mostly say the high school dances thing tongue in cheek, but I love, I actually love doing prom. That was the dance I would take every year. And then I would let my assistants split up all the other ones. But yeah, there, there comes a point in time as a principal where you got to say, you know what, I need to spend time with my family. And the Saturday night until 11 o'clock in the gym is not where I wanted to be. Yes, I wanted to be with my kids. It was like, okay, that could be the one thing that I'll say, I'll step away. But I love prom. I really do. Always had a good time going to the prom. Yeah. Yeah. And we were talking a little bit because you guys are re-releasing the Road to Awesome book, this idea of being the champion of your school. So it sounds like that first change, being at the door, greeting kids, trying to control yourself in the building. That's what I control as a principal. I'm going to make this change, but tell me more about what's that mean, being the champion of your school? You know, I think being the champion of your school is being that person who's, who's willing to stand up in all of those different situations that you face as a principal. And when you think about some incredible champions, if you will, and we're talking about culture today. So to me, one of the great champions of building culture, and, and this is an athletic reference, but I, I go back to the Jordan era Bulls or even Kobe and Shaq Lakers, Phil Jackson was always about building the right culture within his organization. And he was absolutely the champion of that. Yes, they won titles because he had Hall of Fame players but everybody else who was so integral to those teams, they were interchangeable. You know, I, I don't know if you're if you're a fan of that, but if you think about the Jordan era Bulls in one incarnation, the first three Pete, you had Jim Paxson and you had Will Purdue and you had Horace Grant. And then in the next incarnation, you know, you have Steve Kerr and you have Dennis Rodman and you have Tony Kukoc and all of these players were interchangeable because he built a culture of this is who we are. This is how we do things. And I heard it once even said about how tight knit that team was that they probably could have practiced blindfolded mm -hmm. and still been able to pass the ball because they had a culture of we're all in this together and we set our egos aside. I mean, you look at a guy like Dennis Rodman, who was, wow, what an interesting individual he was, but he came into being a part of the Jordan era bulls and he was still eccentric, but man, he knew his role and he did it well. I think about a champion who's a champion mentor. And just recently we lost Barbara Walters. She wasn't just an incredible journalist. She wasn't just an incredible person who broke all kinds of, of barriers for females what a lot of people don't know about her was how many female journalists learned under her mentorship. And she was as proud of the mentoring that she did as anything else that she accomplished in her career. As school leaders, we want to build that culture. As school leaders, we want to encourage that mentorship type of behavior in everybody around us. And it starts with us doing that.
there's a handful of different champions that I talk about in that particular chapter in, in this incarnation of the book, but we can't be Phil Jackson and Oprah Winfrey and, you know, on and on and on and on and on. But what we can be is situationally aware and know when we need to be the champion in this space and when we need to be the champion in this space. And if we embody what it means to be a tiger, an eagle, whatever your mascot is, then we are being the champion of our school. And it gives everybody an opportunity to feel like they are part of something special. And to me, that's what a champion as the leader is going to do. Let's talk about flex time in schools. If you've been listening for a long time, you know how important I think this is. It gives us more time for personalized learning, increasing choice and agency for students, and the increased enrollment that comes with it, dedicated time for intervention and enrichment. And overall, as school leaders, it gives us and our faculty more tools to increase academic achievement. But the implementation and management of flex time can be so tough. Tricky logistics and a lack of clear accountability systems can prevent teachers from buying in and can hold us back from ensuring students make good use of their time. I'm pleased to share that MyFlex Learning provides a solution to these challenges and more. MyFlex Learning helps you create and manage flexible time for any purpose. And with seamless SIS integration, a student locator, flexible daily rostering, and an intuitive mobile app, it eliminates the common challenges of implementation and management. Want to see for yourself? Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more about it and receive $500 off the first year of use. That's myflexlearning.com B-E. We've talked a lot about the students and their role in that. And, and you mentioned yeah. this a little bit, but tell me more about the staff. You know, you're at the door, you're greeting the kids, you've got your group of leaders. They're running wild with making the school a positive, welcoming place. Where's the staff in that? And how do you get them yeah. more a part of that than just just the students? Here's the piece I think that a lot of leaders miss. And when we rise to a leadership level like a principal, oftentimes we get caught up in all the tasks that go with that, all the pieces. We talked about this earlier, all the pieces that are on the job description. But what leadership is, no matter what you do, whether you're in education, the manufacturing industry, healthcare, whatever, I don't, I don't care what it is. Leadership isn't about education, healthcare, logistics, whatever. Leadership is about people. Leadership is about relationships. And when you're a leader, you're in the people business. And so I'm glad you asked about the staff. One of the other things that, that was a big change in, in the book was I didn't have a chapter on instructional leadership. I don't know how in the world I didn't have a chapter on instructional leadership, but now I do. And to be a great instructional leader, you've got to be with your staff. You've got to be in the trenches with them, not just in their classroom, giving them their yearly evaluation. I mean, I'm really talking about being in there with them, being that mentor, being that person to provide feedback, giving them opportunities to grow and to reflect and to really approach everything with a coaching mindset. And so part of building great culture with your staff is building great relationships with them. And so, you know, as a leader, yeah, we're going to be in classrooms and we're going to give feedback and those kinds of things. But a lot of times we need to be in teachers' classrooms when there are no kids there. We need to be in there having conversations with them. Just sometimes it's casual conversations. Sometimes it's a little bit deeper conversations. And a lot of times it has nothing to do with education. It has everything to do with just being a human being, one human being to another, talking about 
how things are going in life or, you know, what's, what's happening with your family or what are some things that I can do simply to help you Uh, as much as we wanted our kids to feel like they were seen and heard and valued and trusted. If we didn't do that with the staff first, it was never going to happen with the kids. Right. And so a lot of that was being very intentional with creating opportunities to recognize reward and reinforce our staff. But most importantly, to be really clear with expectations, to provide every bit of resource and support that we could so that they could be the best that they could be. And yeah, if we're not willing to invest in our staff, we're missing the boat. Because I mean, in all truth, if you want to grow your kids, you got to grow your staff. That's your job as the leader. So a lot of it was just really pouring into staff based on what they needed. And you don't know what they need until you get to know them. So Mm -hmm. it started with the relationship piece. What did your staff meetings start to look and sound like? You talked about the one with with the hats and yeah, the it changed. D- dinging them. What what yeah. what did what did those turn into? You know, kind of a mixed bag. I mean, I, I I reflect on our staff meetings and wish we could have done even more, but we did start to do a lot more of staff recognizing other staff. You know, and and really trying to be genuine about it too, not just some silly traveling trophy that, well, let's see, I got it and I'm the basketball coach, so I'm going to give it to the football coach. I mean, let's let's be real genuine and honest with sharing recognition of what we see each other doing. So that, that started to happen a little bit more frequently because we just weren't doing that as often. I think another thing too was just understanding that the purpose behind staff meetings shouldn't be just having a meeting to meet there are ways for us to disseminate information. I mean, we, we created a weekly newsletter, pretty common thing, but for us, it wasn't common sense at the time, but let's just start sharing a lot of the information that needs to go out through a newsletter. Let's have staff meetings where we're going to genuinely focus on professional growth. You know, if there's something that one of our staff members is doing and doing well, let's allow them the space to share that with each other. We started to move away from and not just in staff meetings, but in professional development days from just pure sit and get, or let's always bring in an outside expert. I mean, it's great to bring outside experts in, but sometimes the best professional development is from the teacher right next door. And this was when ed camps were just starting to really get started. And so we started having ed camp. Let's talk about a few topics you want to focus on. Let's use the expertise that's in our building and let's let you learn from each other. And to me, that was work that really transformed how we met and how we came together and honestly, kind of how we viewed each other. Instead of a bunch of independent contractors that were just bound simply by a hallway, we kind of became a staff. We really started to rely on each other. Some of our PLCs were better than others. I mean, I'm not going to pretend that we were perfect. We had some PLCs that still struggled a little bit to function, but changing the focus on focusing on what really mattered as opposed to, you know, this is what staff meetings have always been like. I think that made a big difference. Yeah. The goal I always have, and it's not easy to do, is teachers look forward to those meetings. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's Absolutely. if it's if it's Eric yeah. or the principal, you know, well, we're going to lecture and I'm going to talk about the upcoming schedule. Nobody looks forward to that. Nobody wants to be in those. Oh. They should be fun. You should get something yeah. out of it. Should, yeah. should be. Should well, be and it goes against everything you want them doing in the classroom, right? Yeah. You know, let's not model what we don't want. You know, let's not lecture for 45 minutes. 
Um, we started to do some fun things too, where you'd get into those times of the year where things just got a little bit monotonous and it's like, you know, hey, this week at our staff meeting, we will also be running it conjunctionally with the mac and cheese cook-off. So if you feel like you got a great mac and cheese recipe, you bring it and we're going to vote and there'll be prizes. And they'd have fun with that. It wasn't always mac and cheese. I mean, we did a lot of different things, but the mac and cheese cook-off will always stand out for a handful of reasons. But that one was was really well received. They loved it. It was fun. It's a great idea. It's a great idea. Well, Darren, Tell the listeners, what's the best way to get in touch with you if they have questions or want to hear more from you? Yeah, absolutely. Best way to get in touch with me is to just go to the website, which is roadtoawesome.net. And you know, when, when you go to the website, the first thing that's going to pop up is, hey, click here to sign up for our newsletter. Do that. Get on the email list because then you're going to hear, you're going to get all kinds of notification on you know our content and some of the work that we're doing. Um, our weekly newsletter will include links to that week's podcast, that week's blog, the featured author from Road Awesome from that particular week, that kind of thing. But yeah, if you go to the website, that's a great way to get to us. Hit the contact us button instead of trying to write down my big long email address. And if you're a social media person and that's how you'd rather get in touch with me, I'm Darren M. Peppered on basically every platform. And it's D-A-R-R-I-N. That is correct. Right? Yeah. I always, I always yep. spell that wrong. And we'll, we'll have a link to those yeah. in, the sh- in the show notes, Darren. And then what we, like to, what we like to end with, and this might be hard for you to, to n- narrow it down to one, but what's, what's one way a, a principal this week can be a more transformative leader like you? You know, I think it's, it's interesting. You told me that was, you were going to ask me this question. I had a, an answer in my head. And now it's different. I would tell you that the number one thing that you can do, like when you go in tomorrow, or if you're listening on your way to work now, you could do this today. Make a very simple list of what really matters to you. What do you really care about? What's really going to make an impact for you as a leader? And then go look for that. You know, go, go live that out loud, put it on your calendar. Like, like if the things that matter to you as a leader are giving quality feedback to teachers, spending time with your students, then put it on the calendar, be intentional about the things that matter to you. Because what happens, Eric, is when you are intentional about what matters to you, people start to notice that. And then when I ask the question of you, Eric, what matters to you? And you tell me, and then I go out in the hallways and I ask your staff and I ask your kids and I ask the parents, they tell me something real similar because you're living your values out loud. That's just a great place to start because if you don't have clarity on what matters to you, nobody has clarity on anything. As the leader, you've got to be clear about what you what you believe in and what matters. That's great. Well, thank you, Darren. Really appreciate you coming on the show today and sharing sharing some wisdom. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Edited by Gage Sanderson. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. 
When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE.